As we've already noted, what a blessing it is that we could come together this Lord's Day morning, this Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Perhaps we can appreciate the words of Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good to see each and every person able to be with us today. I realize that for the next few moments we're going to give thought to, as it being the second Sunday in September, another lesson in our fundamentals. During this year, we've set before ourselves the task of the second Sunday of each month to give thought to those fundamentals of the faith. Over the course of that study, we've noted many things such as the existence of God, the reality of Christ, the beauty of the church, the understanding of worship. Today, we come to a, a consideration of eternity. Reservations for eternity. That's the title of the lesson today. You might have noted in those three verses in 1 Peter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, that very concept was mentioned, highlighted, and emphasized. And we will do the same as we give thought to those particulars of that over the next few moments this morning. By way of introduction, it certainly might be noted that there is a tremendous richness presented, of course, in the Word of God. And may I point out as you arrive at the middle of that slide, this interesting thought. Isn't it true that you and I make reservations? And we do so on many occasions. Maybe as you give thought to a trip, you make hotel reservations so you have a place to stay. Or maybe you make reservations at a theme park or some other place that you might well have intent to visit. Sometimes we make more ordinary reservations, such as even at work, maybe a meeting needs to take place and we reserve a room in which a group of people might well assemble. On other occasions, we might make individual reservations so that we can speak with someone at a particular time and place. The fact is, we're quite comfortable with making reservations. We know quite a bit about it, sometimes the importance of it, and that which it makes possible. I wonder about reservations as noted in the Word of God. Are there reservations to be made? If so, why are they made? Who makes them? What benefit might they be? And what might be the blessing attached to them? We will give thought to all of that over the course of our study the next few moments this morning. In so doing, might I mention that not only are reservations interesting and vital, they take us back to the scene of our text. With those words of introduction, may I reread that which was read just a minute ago in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, as Brother Roger read that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As you'll notice on that slide before you, we're now going to reflect on a development connected to one of those words that occurred there. You may have noted it was the word reserved. And therefore, this concept is a very biblical one. It is a very strong appreciation reminding us of our place in the whole consideration of reservations. You'll notice thus at the top of that slide, beginning near it, there really are only two eternal places of abode. We understand that. And the Bible in so many ways directs our attention to them in directness. In Matthew 25, 
we have a lengthy presentation, so we'll not read all of it, but might I invite you to note, as I summarize some of it, and call your attention to verse 46. If you'd like to be turning to that chapter, we're going to look at the last verse in some detail in just a moment. Matthew 25, verse number 46. But as we do that, I hope you'll remember with me that Jesus had been asked a question. In particular, He was asked about the nature of when He was going to come. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now the Lord was asked a rather directed question. Jesus, tell us if you would, what about your coming and the end of this present consideration of age, the end of the world? As the Lord began to answer those questions, we find Him specifically identifying something about the end of the world. Now He said there will be no signs. It's not as if we can look for earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars as sometimes is said, but that's not right. We realize, he said, there will be no signs. None. That reminds us that one must be faithful. Always, for we can't wait until a, a particular moment and think we'll see enough signs that we can appreciate when this is going to be. In that regard, he then proceeds to answer. It's much like there are five wise and five, five foolish virgins. You've got to be like the wise ones. Always ready. Always prepared because you don't know when the bridegroom's coming. And then later in the chapter, he points out the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 13. You've got to employ your talents in a way indicative of faithfulness. You cannot be like the one talent man. He went and hid what he had. And when the Lord did, in fact, make a reckoning of that man, He said, You wicked and slothful servant, Matthew 25, verses 29 and 30. And then, as the Lord gave yet another perspective on that answer, you find in verse number 31, it all begins like this. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. All nations will be assembled and gathered at the moment under description, and a judgment will occur. There will be a separation of those on the right and those on the left, some likened as sheep, others likened as goats. And he proceeds then to say to those on the right, how blessed they are, how honored they are, how obedient they were. But then he turns his attention to those on the left and says, things aren't well. You did not do that which was commanded and ordered, and you did not fall under the category of appreciating the respectfulness of, of, of in fact, the, the domain of the Lord. As he addresses each one of them, and then he says in verse 46, These shall go away into everlasting punishment. Please take note who the these are. That's the ones on the, on the left. That's the ones that were reckoned as unprepared. Those reckoned as insufficient. These will go away into everlasting punishment. But then he says, but the righteous, those on the right, into life eternal. The mention of eternity from the lips of Jesus. There is an eternity awaiting. You and I are already in some ways a part of it. Because you see, when we die, we don't cease to be. We will just enter into a, another existence. 
And of course, at the day of judgment, we recognize a permanency connected to that final pronouncement, that final place of abode. As you revisit that place on the slide, the Bible has so often revealed both of those eternal domains to us. One of them is a place where the fire is not quenched. It's a place where the worm never dies. It's a place where God's not there. On the other hand, is that place described in Revelation 21 and 22, this rich domain of sweetness and bliss, this domain where not only is God there, Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit's there, but the redeemed of all the ages will be there. And you and I have an opportunity to make reservations for one or the other of these places. Either that place described as an eternal punishment or the place on the right of righteousness made well appreciated and known. Reservations are something, again, that you and I are quite comfortable with making. We pick up a phone or we send an email and by way of contact to some reservations clerk, we make reservations. Given that reservations are needful for us, how do we make them? What's involved in them? You may notice at the bottom of that slide, that word reserve that's employed in this text before us, 1 Peter 1 verse 4, that word literally means to hold in view. That is to say, I am making a statement of my name, and would you hold it in reserve, in view, for my occupation there? That's the idea of the word. And it goes on to say this, it has an attendance that has a degree of care connected to it. And so in closing that slide, this issue is one of great import to you and me. And thus, why don't we do this? Have you ever been faced with this situation? Denise and I have. You have need to make reservations, and so you pick up the phone, or again, you perhaps use email. I particularly have in mind the time when, in fact, it was done more by phone. But you make note of, I wish for perhaps a hotel room for this night, and maybe even a couple of nights, and the person responds, I'm sorry, we're all booked up. I wonder if there's any fear of that concerning these reservations for eternity. Might we ever have the unwelcome news, I'm sorry, there's no vacancy. On this slide, could we give a few minutes thought to the possibility? As I've already pointed out, we've already appreciated that on earth that can easily happen. There isn't enough room. All the hotel rooms are booked for the night that might be of interest, and yet when it comes to eternity... May you and I breathe a sigh of relief. And those wonderful mansions referred to by the Lord will never have to worry about there being not enough vacancy. We'll never have to worry about the message being given, I'm sorry, there isn't enough room. On that slide, but you remember this with me, Jesus Himself said it like this in John 14, beginning in verse 1. In the hours before He was crucified, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am there you may be also. Can't you just appreciate the easiness with which there shall never be fear of not enough vacancy? Fear, you see, that somehow the room will be occupied. For the Lord said... You can rest assured, I will come again and receive you unto myself.
that where I am, there you may be too. What a thought of comfort. What a refreshing sense of element of, of, of element in, in terms of you and me. Isn't it amazing? That though on earth we may hear the message, no vacancy, that'll not be true of heaven. Next on that slide is this. How often are we reminded that there is room for all of those who have made their reservations for this wonderful place? In 1 Timothy 2, verse number 4, God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, God is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That powerful invitation, uttered by way of those passages, may be echoed most strongly by Jesus Himself. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord invited one, the Lord invited all. This very day, might you and I then note the criticalness of placing reservations. And once we do, to realize there will always be that vacancy in place for you and me, no one will ever take our room from us. No one will ever be able, you see, to remove us apart from our will from occupying that lovely place. As you can see, one last thing on that slide. God is no respecter of persons, Romans 2.11. That means He will respect the reservation you and I have made. And if we've made that for those golden climbs of heaven, we can rest assured that occupation there will be a wonderful and lovely thing. By now, I think then we've highlighted this. So how does one make these reservations? How is it that one takes care of this? What is it that's demanded? Aren't you thankful the Bible gives us the answer? We've highlighted that to make earthly reservations, we may well perhaps pick up the telephone. We may well, in fact, make use of a website. But when it comes to these heavenly ones, the Word of God has been very specific. And so as you begin the bottom of that slide, could we not note this? Walk-ins will not get the job done. I mentioned a moment ago, Denise and I had made reservations, and it turned out to be an unsatisfactory place. We drove down the road, found another place, and we walked right in without reservations, and the clerk was very helpful. There was a room made quickly available, and we enjoyed it. Might you and I take careful note, there will be no walk-ins to heaven. If you had not made reservations, entrance will not be granted. Walk-ins, not possible. Might you and I take note, we must make these reservations. There is no loophole to it. Surely as you close that slide with me then, we're going to appreciate the fact then that apart from those reservations, the only other destination is the other one that is not nearly as favorable, this place the Bible will call hell. As we transition to that next slide, could we then highlight this? No surprises. I stated that this way. Have you ever found yourself in a position? You've made these reservations and under the thought of what was going to be true, you get there only to find that it was not what was portrayed. The room was not the way it was described to you. The circumstances were not as you expected. And therefore, maybe they were completely unsatisfactory. 
Sometimes that happens as well. Have you ever had reservations for a meal? The menu was set. The advertisement was clear. And yet, as you sat down before this meal, which was reserved, you find it unpalatable. The food's unedible. You paid for the reservations, and yet it did not meet your standards, and it was not what was agreed upon. Obviously, those kind of situations are very disheartening. Someone has not kept their word in light of what was promised to you. Any fear of that in heaven? May I say, may we put that thought out of our mind. When it arrives, when you and I arrive at those golden places, that sweet refrain of heaven, oh, there will be no surprise in a bad way. Any surprise will only be far better than we imagined. Any surprise will only be exceeding what one would anticipate. So it is that in Revelation 21 and 22, we have a number of descriptions of the wonders of this place. The heavenly city, this place wherein the tree of life is to be noted yet again, this place wherein there's no sorrow, no pain, no death, no crying, none of it. Do you get the feeling? No surprises in a bad way. The heavenly creatures described in Revelation 21 find themselves exultingly refraining, Lord God Almighty. They understand then that there's no need for a temple. There's no need for any light bulbs of any kind for God Himself and Jesus Christ is the only light that place will ever need. Talk about glory and talk about brilliance. God's the only light that place will ever have. Doesn't that tell us? Doesn't that remind us that as we look forward to a place like this, we are reminded, you see, that although our time here upon earth may be shattered by disappointment, when reservations do not meet expectations, that will not be true of heaven. You may notice further on that slide that the very text before us helps us, in fact, appreciate that truth. Could I draw your attention to verse 4? To an inheritance incorruptible. The adjective incorruptible is used. You and I easily appreciate that means it cannot nor has it been corrupted. To be corrupted is to be tarnished. It is to be marred. It is to thus occupy and appreciate a place beneath that for which it was created. And yet the text says that this place called heaven is incorruptible. But he goes on to say this, it's undefiled. There should never be a fear that those who enter by some means will in some way trash it, mar it, tarnish it, ruin it. That won't happen either. That in part occurs because of Revelation 21 verse 27 where there we are explicitly told that nothing that defiles it will ever enter it. God won't permit it. You and I must then appreciate a lack of defilement in ourselves to be prepared by way of reservation to enter this place. Let's read even further, verse 4. That fadeth not away. Now you and I know too that every hotel that's now constructed, every new one will eventually decay. It'll deteriorate. It'll have to be rebuilt or at least repaired. That'll never happen in terms of heaven. There will not need to be a maintenance crew. 
There will not need to be a set of repairmen equipped and ready to fix what someone has destroyed. This place is incorruptible, and this place does not fade away. Let's read on. Verse 5, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? The sweetness of this place is a reminder, isn't it, that that domain is rather different than the domain with which you and I are comfortable here. Things wear out, they fade, they, they decay. And sometimes those who do not respect them as they should, they'll ruin them. They will harm them. They will damage them. That won't be true of heaven either. All of those who enter this place under respect for the God of heaven and in obedience to His Word, they will appreciate that the reservations that they've made will be reservations that will be honored. And they, you see, will enjoy in pristine beauty the occupation of that place. As you close that slide with me, could I ask you to note this? What about arrival at the Day of Judgment? Is it possible to change the reservation? The answer is no. You and I know very well that every single person that's lost will want to change their reservation that day. Every single one of them without exception. Revelation 6 describes the fact they're going to plead for the rocks and the hills to fall on them, but it won't happen because they'll be in the august presence of the Lamb of God and the reservation can't be changed. Reservations for hell will be honored just as reservations for heaven will be honored. Note with me a text found in Luke 16. There was their description of a man. He was a rich man. He'd lived this life in the appreciation of enjoying many of the things it had to offer. He wanted to change his reservation once he died. He wanted to change it. He could see Father Abraham in the distance, and he could also appreciate Lazarus there. And oh, how badly he wanted what Lazarus then had, but it couldn't, it couldn't happen. There was no changing of the reservation. You can't come here, and folks here can't go to you either. There is an impassable gulf that exists between us. I hope you and I will think with care and think with seriousness. You and I could die this afternoon. We may have less than six hours to live. What reservation have you made? Be honest. Right now is your name in the book of life. There's the place where the reservations for heaven are kept. Any name not there has no reservation there. Any name not there is destined for the other place of eternal abode. Thanks be unto God. If I've made mistakes here, I can in fact change reservations while I'm here on earth. I may have been a child of the devil for years. I can stop that. Any of us can through the power of the Word of God. And we can put our reservation for heaven. And we can live our life faithful in that way and die and go home to glory. We can change reservations here. Cannot change them there. The Bible reminds us, you see, about the fact that when the bridegroom cometh, the door will be shut. Those who hadn't made reservations won't be let in. The five wise virgins had already been in because they had reservations. They were ready. Are you and I ready? 
The Word of God challenges us to recognize our life, of course, is one here of serious preparation with understanding that we not only must make that reservation by obeying the gospel. You see, it's in baptism in which we find our name written in the book of life. There's where the reservation is made. But there's one more thing. One more thing. When you and I make reservations, have you ever noticed you go and call up a hotel clerk and say, I'd like to make a reservation. The person will say, credit card number to hold the reservation. The reservation has to be held. We have to give them some proof, some consideration that will honor and give some consideration to the earnestness of our request. And we understand that. We have to hold our reservation for heaven as well. It's not enough just to be baptized. That's critical. That's when the reservation's made. But how do we hold it? How do we secure it? How do we ensure that it remains a matter of fidelity? Thankfully, the Word of God gives us that impression. It gives us what we'll use on that slide that's down before you. We hold that reservation like this. Faithful living to the Lord. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2 verse 10. That degree of faithfulness, you see, is the ongoing action by which we are attired as described, you see, in Revelation 19. In that passage, we are given this impression that at the day of judgment, there is an understanding that what takes place is such that the marriage of the Lamb then takes place. All of the faithful through all the ages will then be united with the Lord forevermore in heaven. The marriage of the Lamb takes place. Everyone, you see, of us who are the faithful have reservations for the reception at the wedding, if I could say it that way. Now, you and I are quite accustomed to a couple gets married and they have a reception quite often afterward and reservations are needed so that they'll have enough food, you see, at the reception. So you have to respond, you have to RSVP. Have you RSVP'd to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Do you intend to be there? Revelation 19 says we have to, and we do that by faithful living to the Lord. Every day, faithful to His cause, never compromising His truth, and always desirous of serving Him with obedience. It might well be in that light, you'll notice on that slide, a number of developments of that point that encourages us. What about the parable of the sower, of the seed in Matthew 13? A sower went forth to sow, and some of the seed fell on the wayside soil. Some fell among thorns, some fell, you, you and I may, may well recall, also among ground that was stony. But some of it fell in good ground. But then what? It brought forth. Are you and I bringing forth? Is your faith growing? Are you nearer to the Lord? Are you excited about the thought then of that reservation that's being honored and kept and reserved? Surely we're all motivated in that way and we look forward to there being no surprises at that great day of judgment. As you close that slide with me, there's an amazing description in Revelation 14. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. And in Revelation 22, 14, the last chapter in all the Bible, one final beatitude, one final blessing, 
Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Those who've washed their robes in baptism and those who do His commandments in serving Him faithfully. This lesson has been today about reservations, holding reservations. And as you close that particular slide before you with me, the Lord reminded so many in His day. He said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection. He is the one that should be the source of all of our considerations, our anchoring of hope, and the nature of the life that we now live. Needless to say, the questions are simple, and the questions are rather personal, because they certainly are very individual. It is for that reason I can ask each of us this, have you made reservations for heaven? If you have, have you held that reservation? By your faithful conduct in Christ, obedience to His commandments, if the answer to the first question was no, why not make them today? You have nothing to lose, only heaven to gain. We all know the reservations to hell are trivial to make. You have to do nothing to make reservations for hell. Do absolutely nothing. The devil will be happy to take you. Walk-ins are more than welcome for hell. Absolutely no reservation required. But for heaven, it's a different story. Those who want to go there, those who more than anything else have as their heart's desire to honor the Lord, loving God because of what He did for us. If you haven't made that reservation, believe in Jesus with all of your heart. Repent of your sins. Simply desiring to make a change in life. Make confession of the name of Christ and be baptized. At that moment, you will become a member of the Lord's church because He adds you to it and your name is in the book of life. You've made reservations. Hold them by faithful living till death. As you do that, you will then be anchored and ready on that sweet day to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 21. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. Luke 19, 31. Surely today, if we could help you in making those reservations, we'd be honored to do that. If we can help you to re-secure the reservations that you once made, but that you have allowed to lapse, we could help you in that way too. If that be the situation of your life, won't you repent of those sins? Won't you make confession of them and invite prayers of brethren that we may pray on your behalf just as was done in Acts chapter 8? Today, if we could be of assistance in either of these ways, we want you to know where your reservation lies and that you can feel good about that, and we'd love to help in any way that we can while together we stand and while we sing.